Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bonavis Six. And Father, we concluded the prior episode by discussing the birth of Mary and the birth of Jesus and, and all the things that they were going through and how it's kind of registering differently with me now that I have a newborn and seeing things different. And we concluded the episode talking a lot about what Mary was going through herself and how she was miraculously saved the pains of childbirth and, and all that. And I kind of wanted to focus now on, on actually Jesus and, you know, looking at, he now essentially, going off of exactly what you said, has all of the stuff inside of him. You know, he, he's got all the knowledge of God beyond what we have, just the natural law and the Ten Commandments and the other revelation that you discussed. He is God, so he knows the end answer. But he's also a baby. You know, he can't talk. And, and to a degree of looking at, at my own here, in a sense, it almost seems like he's he's moldable that we can turn turn the direction of, of of how we want him to act and and be through the way that we treat him you know we, he does something that's wrong you know it's obviously probably going to develop more as he gets older but you give negative reactions to bad bad things so he learns consequences and positive to things that we want him to do you know i think that that's natural and kind of what's expected out of out of parents anyways but there's a lot of gray area just between my wife and I about what we think is wrong and what is right um in you know non-religious circumstances um you know she we, I like to say it's she's safety always and I'm safety sometimes so we just kind of see how it goes but as a result there's a gap and I, I don't think you can put any two people together and have a hundred percent overlap with everything. There's just too much gray area in life. And some of that is going to be, most of it's going to be non-moral things. You know, think about how people want to drive. There's many different ways you can drive, not necessarily one's right or one's wrong. You get from point A to point B, doesn't really matter. And you get all the nuances of that. So, my point being here is that because there are different directions with, with what it could become, how do you know what to do? And then with that being said, looking specifically at, at Christmas, um, how do Mary and Joseph go through the process of molding Jesus so that they don't put him in a direction that he can't recover from um, or at least be stunted in his development. Well, that's a, a wonderful explanation. Uh, I, I think you give a good reason that Mary and Joseph should themselves be sinless <laughs> and, uh, and really sanctified in grace that um, their, their influence on Jesus is real. And so uh that that really matters. And so now God can always intervene miraculously, but he's not trying to do that. He's trying to do that as little as possible. He wants the order that he's established in creation and human relationships. He wants the, the aspects of his revelation to, to uh, speak for themselves and work for themselves, as it were. And so he's not trying to constantly intervene 
and and do miraculous things to keep the uh, keep the the train on the tracks. And so he invests Mary and Joseph with a with a grace to begin with, but it's really what we were made to be. They just received it in advance. Mary at, at the moment of her conception and Joseph sometime after that was confirmed in grace so that they would be um, sinless parents, which doesn't mean they have full knowledge of everything, but, uh, but at least the knowledge that they have and the actions that they take are, are without sin. And so D- Jesus wouldn't be damaged by the, the sin of his parents, but his humanity would be able to grow fully and uh, would be able to be formed well. And uh, of course, so Mary and Joseph are not going to form Jesus in sinful things. They're not going to form him wrong in his understanding of the world. They're not going to, you know, vent their anger against him, or they're not going to neglect him or abandon him, and they're not going to be uh, irresponsible towards him, things like that. So some of the wounds that we've borne in our childhoods uh, would be he would be preserved from those things. What what did they have to teach him? Well, uh, and and of course they wouldn't need to teach him morality per se because he is God. So he he also would not even be inclined to do evil, and uh, is being you know formed in the good and and has that innate sense. He's um, really I think we could say incapable. God can't violate himself, so he is a divine person, but. Um, they would have to form him in like Jewish custom. There are a lot of things that are not a matter of good and evil. They're just a matter of this thing rather than that thing. Uh, they would have to form him in speaking Hebrew rather than Latin or something like that, uh, or to learn Hebrew and Greek and Latin for that matter that he, you know, he picked up these things. So they would have to teach him the, the various customs that uh, were not a matter of uh, divine revelation or divine law or something like that, but that he he gets formed in in his humanity and in that way, you know, Joseph would have to teach him how to do carpentry and and say no no you you know you need to uh, nail this thing in first and then you know saw that thing off and then you know sand that thing and uh, Jesus would learn all of that and and would have to develop the dexterity with his fingers to be able to do those things and. And Joseph would be able to form him, correct him in that sense, and and uh, adjust his behavior in ways that are not a matter of of sin, not a matter of good and evil, but a matter of uh, you know ways that we do things in our humanity, so that Jesus would would learn all of that in his humanity. His humanity had to grow, as you point out. He already had divine knowledge; he was God, but uh, in his humanity, he had to grow. Now we're also touching on mysteries here that. We have to be careful, and I'm very careful about the way I'm saying these things, so as to not say more than I can say, mm-hmm. and uh, and and go. It's very easy to go astray when we start projecting too much of our humanity on someone who is a divine person and is uh, has both a human and a divine nature. So, but uh, but these are wonderful things to reflect on. At least we should always hold them loosely. You know, we we're kind of getting insight. We're making uh, intuitive steps and and uh, making logical deductions, but we should always hold them loosely, ready to be uh, corrected in some way if we're getting it off a little bit. Yeah, it's it's something that looking at him as uh, him being being my Joey of how to uh, to do this and seeing that you know that, that there's so many different directions and outcomes that 
that could be there. You know, some of the physical stuff is obvious. You know, we just keep feeding him. He's just going to become generally a larger and larger version of what he is now. Um, you know, we're not going like, to chop off his hand or something. Um, because in the physical world, you can see that and, and you know what the, you know what the negative action is. You let him burn himself. He's going to have a, a problem. He goes with sharp stuff, you know, whatever. You can go through all the, the, the negative ways you can have that. And, so therefore, there's kind of an indirect, just don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, that's cool, but that doesn't tell you what to do. Um, as far as someone who has the uh, the mindset of, of reading instructions would have. Um, and I think that, that this might just be revealing how I deal with things or kind of my, my personality there that I'd rather know step A, step B, step C. And this isn't like that. But all of the perils of of doing something wrong can still happen. You know, if, if I frame a house incorrectly, that roof can implode just because I put something wrong. You know, I, I put the wrong kind of stud up. I didn't put a stud up at all. I said, eh, you know, four feet, that's like the same as 16 inches. It'll work. Well, no, it doesn't. And there's very clear, this is why you have to do things. So literally the roof doesn't cave in. Um, and when we translate that to the potential of, of, of what his spirituality could be, that's kind of where I guess I'm just blanking and probably not even knowing how to articulate th this question, but trying to keep the same proverbial roof from caving in on him. Because I know the obvious, don't build you know, you don't use this material instead of that material. Okay, that's basic. Um, but in terms of how do we actually do the framing of of this proverbial house of his spirituality, how to do that, I don't know yet. Um, I haven't, I, I just don't know. So I guess that's kind of where I'm going to, and because and, it's the same general question I was asking about Joseph and Mary. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question. I I think probably Joseph and Mary learned as much from Jesus as he learned from them in terms of spirituality. Um, you know, they could uh, and probably would have to, you know, teach him in ordinary ways the the Jewish custom, uh, even the the practice of, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, taking him up to the temple, and this is the time of year we do that, and but it's it's just not clear how much of his divine knowledge, obviously he is the revelation of all of the things that they're doing. And so um, how much of that is intuitive for him? How much of that is him saying, it's time to go to the temple. Um, I feel, you know, anyway, it's, it's very mysterious to press into some of those areas and certainly beyond just the uh, liturgical forms or the, the ritual prayers. He, um, you know, would normally be formed in their family prayers, their prayers at home, the, you know, the Sabbath prayers, things like that. Um, but in terms of his personal spiritual life, of course, he is God and he has intimate knowledge of the Father from all eternity. And uh, finding the human expressions or, or learning in his humanity, the expressions of, of that divine, intimate relationship of Father and Son. Um, anyway, there's a, there's a lot of mystery there. It's not not clear how all of that uh, unfolds exactly. And like I say, I imagine them also learning from him. You know, when, when he's a toddler and Joseph brings him into the temple, 
I imagine him watching, I imagine Joseph watching Jesus to see where he goes and what he does as much as Jesus watching Joseph to see where he goes and what he does. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's, there's something really wonderful in reflecting on that. Uh, It's hard to say any of that definitively, but, uh, but I think there are, you know, some principles we can use at least to lead us into prayer and reflection and certainly encourage you and our listeners to do that. Imagine what it was like when Jesus was two and they went into the temple together and, uh, where did Jesus go and how did Joseph teach him and, and, and what did they do together? And what was that all like? I mean, Jesus is the, the glory of God that the temple cannot contain. And there he was inside the temple. You know, these, these are the kinds of wonderful paradoxes in, uh, in our faith that, that we can reflect on. And that actually brought me across a thought that I'd never had before. Um, you know, when, when Jesus became man, in a sense, well, not in a very sense, he did. He learned what being man is. He was one. He went through that. And so certainly we learned from him being God on earth. Is there anything of God the Father learning from Jesus being here as a man? Um, I, probably an unanswerable question, but um, just a, a thought that was it a two-way street or was it just us being you know, infants and newborns that didn't know anything that were getting more revelation upon us? Well, I don't think, I, I like the, uh, the connection that you're making. Whenever we talk about Joseph, we should be thinking about the Heavenly Father. So I really like that connection that you're making. Um, I don't think we can talk about God learning things. So God is omniscient. He knows all things. Jesus only learned things, again, in the development of his humanity. You know, we talk about uh, um, muscle memory, and we talk about we have the development of the senses. You know, you only grow cells and muscles and bones by eating things. Um, you, do, you don't grow those spontaneously, at least in the natural order. So his growth, you know, he had to develop neural pathways. And we develop neural pathways through repeated uh, activities and things like that. So the only way that we can talk about Jesus learning things is, is literally in the development of his humanity. Uh, in his divinity, he didn't learn anything. I mean, he, he is all knowledge. He is truth. And, and the Father is truth. And so, um, so anyway, so the Father has knowledge of all things and sees all things at all times. He's, um, that's where we have to move away from some of the uh, projections of our humanity onto the Father and, and understand, you know, he's the principle of being and, and is outside of time in that sense. But, but like I said, it's a wonderful question. I like that, that way of reflecting. If Joseph can learn, you know, what does that say to us about the father? But Joseph is not the incarnation of the father, just the shadow of the father mm-hmm. and a projection of the father, I might say. So um, anyway. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it's something that, you know, we've been doing this for coming up on four years now, up in February with the final one. And it, it, it amazes me that there's always something new that I haven't found out because I mean, obviously I'm, uh, I'm in my thirties here. I've actually been on this earth longer than Jesus. And the way that, that, you know, the church does the readings, they come around in a cycle, you know, it's going to be the same thing every year. As long as you're kind of paying attention, 
December's going to be Advent. You know, Lent's going to come before Easter, and it, it, it's all the same general themes. I know that the individual readings themselves will vary year to year, but they're all the same themes. And to see that I still have keep continuing new things to question and ask about, um, and how just some things of just assuming intro, you know, assuming that I knew it and it's done, we can move on to the next thing of how, how different it can be. Um, you know, it's, it's, and, and how as a result, how we can have scholars of the church millennium apart, diving into new knowledge and new thoughts that, you know, how did you not know this? You know, things that um, John Paul II taught about, well, how did Thomas Aquinas not know this? Well, because, Apparently, as you think and read more, there's more to know. And then, and as they say, it's inexhaustible, which is a fancy word for saying infinity, of amount of knowledge and love that you can grasp. And it's something that, that just seems to be amazing to me. So sorry that a little bit off the, the current topic of today's no, episode. But, You're uh, exactly right. It's, uh, it, we will continue to discover for all eternity. It is inexhaustible. And so it's wonderful you're getting a tangible experience of that as we go deeper into these mysteries that you've reflected on for years in an intense way, and you still discover new things, as do I. I this year, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I was just really struck by Mary's sinlessness. One of the consequences of sinlessness is that we just don't have defenses. Defenses are, are often structures that we put up uh, the defenses themselves are not sinful, but it's it's not the way, way that our humanity was meant to be. And we often over-defend ourselves, and that does become sinful. But Our Lady was so sensitive, and she was really vulnerable, and she was open in, in a sinful world to a kind of suffering. As, as things were not right, she felt that they were not right. She felt how unsafe people were in their, uh, in their sinfulness. And, and she couldn't just shut that off, numb that, turn away from that, but she felt that. And I imagine it spontaneously led her to cry out for a savior, to beg God to, to come and redeem all of this. And so I imagine when the angel came, there was some part of that which was a fulfillment of her own prayer. She was longing for a redeemer, but she always remained totally open. And so the way that that she suffered in the midst of our sinful world. Because normally what happens is, you know, we're vulnerable, we get hurt, we put up walls, and then our walls hurt other people. And then we create divisions. And then, you know, that develops into wars. <laughs> and I mean, that's the normal escalation of all of those things. Somebody who remains vulnerable, remains open, suffers injustices rather than uh, responding to them with more injustices. You know, that's the person that needs tremendous strength and tremendous hope in order to endure some of those uh, some some of those sufferings and and the broken relationships and to persevere and to not fight evil with evil. So anyway, you know, these are things that I'm reflecting on this year and and uh, just coalescing with some other uh, experiences in my life. So. Uh, the sensitivity of Mary in her immaculate conception and her longing for a redeemer and and then her welcoming him into the world at the Annunciation. Just uh, just beautiful, beautiful things. We see God's providence really 
unfolding in such beautiful ways. It's a concept that I never would have have grasped that, that you create your defenses to avoid the pain. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to articulate is because now I got to figure out how to teach what pain is to a a baby. Um, You know, I saw eventually he's going to ask why, why do things hurt or whatever. And, you know, the, the answer I came up with, and it's probably not the medical answer or whatever is, Pain is essentially your body telling you something is different. Um, you know, good, bad, or, or ugly, because, but it's, it's letting your body know that something's different and we need to do something about it. Uh, maybe drastically or not, but, um, the way that you were saying defenses being to protect against the pain of sin, um, to, to not have that, to not have the defenses, um, because you certainly can see how people will block themselves off, isolate them, and then, that creates a pain for people who do want to reach out to them um, and, and feeling rejected or snubbed or, or whatever the appropriate term was. And, and it, it highlights another example of something you said to me before. I know we got to conclude this episode that the virtue of patience is sitting with that pain, not trying to solve it or to push it away, but to appreciate the suffering for all that it is and ultimately to learn from it. Um, you know, cause we're all going to have suffering in one form or another, you know, we all get different versions of it so we can share our collective stories, but we're going to have it and to learn from suffering and in part of that learning, what we could do differently to not escalate it, or maybe even have it completely removed altogether, I think is something that as a people we're, we're called to do, you know, use the example in the last episode that. Yes, most people did not die during childbirth, but now we figured out how to take it even less. And that's something that's good. And that's not just one guy woke up and created all of the medical facilities in the world with technology. Hmm. It's us building one little step that in the grand scheme of things might seem insignificant in the moment, but in the long run, you know, is is immeasurable. So I wanted to, to thank you for that. And you know, conclude today's episode on that note is we got to go. And we'll wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Great to be with you, Joe. Perfect. Thank you very much, Father. We'll be with everyone again next week.